Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right. Uh, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. Now, our next writer, we mostly talk to about the Edmonton Oilers with Culta Hockey, and he's our Oilers Now headliner today for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. I saw Trent at the game yesterday. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Will Hawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Um, however, given that he is a provincial affairs writer for the Edmonton Journal as well, who better than, uh, and he covered uh, the arena, um, I guess, debate and discussion here in Edmonton uh, certainly would be remiss without bringing David Staples on to the show today. David, how are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you doing? Good. We'll get to the playoff stuff because it's the fun stuff. It's the toy department of life stuff. Pretty interesting announcement yesterday down in Calgary, would you not say? Uh, yeah, I was not expecting that, although um, Smith, Daniel Smith, Premier Smith, have been hinting at it for some time, and obviously with an election to win. And, you know, we're not in Calgary, so we don't feel the anxiety that some Flames fans might have about not having that arena. And I know the Flames players actually started to speak out this year, I think, for the first time about how crappy the Oh, it's crappy. It's crappy. Yeah, so, you know, the timing of it does make sense. There's an election to win. It's going to be won or lost in Calgary, almost certainly. So, and I think um, I I think I saw at least a reference to some polling. I don't know how accurate this is, but it was like three-quarters of the Calgarians really want an arena deal to go ahead. So probably a pretty popular move from uh, the Premier. And, um, man, the price of arena has uh, (laughs) has gone up. Doubled, Bob. So it just, it highlights to me, like, um, that was a hard deal to get in Edmonton. Took a lot of work from a lot of people. Yeah. And there is lots of debate, but, man, I just think it's, we got a great, we built it the right time. Um, I don't see their, their complex being any better than ours. Uh, you know, if they can reach the standard that, they, that was reached in Rogers Place, they might be lucky. From what I've seen, you know, I don't know what their design is, but Rogers Place is obviously fantastic design. So uh, a beautiful arena and has been great for our downtown. Yeah. Uh, by, so, by the way, um, so how much is the province in for down in Calgary? Yeah, so there, it sounds like it's. I think it's three hundred and thirty million. Yeah. I think that's the number. And in in so in Edmonton, the province, you know, people aren't. They don't necessarily understand this, but the province did contribute to the Edmonton Arena significantly through the CRL. The CRL essentially collects um, the province's share of Edmonton property taxes generated around the arena and uses that money to pay off the arena. And that amounted to about $220 million. So actually, the provincial share of the Edmonton Arena through the CRL is a bit higher than um, than what was... The, the dollar amount in total is higher in Calgary because of inflation and different different things. But in Edmonton, the percentage of the entire project cost, which was around $613 million in Edmonton, the, the province gave about a third, and it's a little bit closer to a quarter in Calgary. So you would say that the province did the CRL. That was not a municipal... It is, it is it, provincial it, money. It was, it's money that would have gone otherwise to the province. Those tax revenues would have gone to the province. But the whole idea is if they didn't build the arena, those tax revenues wouldn't have existed. So you wouldn't have get that tax uplift from the arena. That's why 
That's why they have that. It's supposed to be 35 years for the CRL to pay itself back. Uh, Suffice to say, it's exceeded expectations. My understanding is to this point. Is that right? I haven't done. I haven't looked at it since the pandemic, and the pandemic might have affected property values downtown. But it was going great guns. Like it, it, the uplift in property taxes in downtown Edmonton. And I know people. Some people are. We're all saying downtown Edmonton. You know, it's going through a rough patch. But man, Bob. Imagine if that arena oh. wasn't there. Oh, Imagine what our downtown would be like without the arena, the arena district, the buzz around that place, you know, 100, 150, 200 times a year when there's events there. It's, it's like, if it was, it's just been, I think, a slam dunk. And, and it's the one thing going right in our downtown. Um, so, I, you know, I just think it's been a, and I, I did a poll. I, I just looked at the, like, has this been good or bad for Edmonton? It was just through the roof. People saying this, this was yeah. a good thing. For well, Edmonton. you're always going to have the 5%ers out there that are, you know. <laughs> it is about 5% too. That I know. Don't think it was I good. saw the poll, David. You yeah. know my joke about 5%ers. Uh, okay. So, um, by the way, when Daniel Smith was head of the Wild Rose, uh, uh, you know, there was a, a little bit of a hubble blue and some support for Redford at that time. I mean, that, people forget it was a battle between uh, a, a PC candidate in terms of Redford and, and the Wild Rose with Danielle Smith. Um, obviously, since then, the NDP have, you know, Rachel Notley has been the premier in this province. What you meant? Tell me, do you, how much political impact could you? I mean, you you are a provincial affairs columnist for the Edmonton Journal. How, how much p- uh, potential impact could this have on a provincial election? Well, because it's really popular, uh, because it's a super popular move with people in Calgary, um, and Calgary is the key battleground area. It doesn't certainly doesn't hurt uh, Daniel Smith uh, in Calgary. You know, I don't know. Like a month from now, when people vote, will this be on their minds at all? Um, and Edmonton, hopefully, will still be just thinking about the orders and in a really good mood. But will that help the NDP in Edmonton or the uh, the government? I don't know. But in Calgary, I, I just it's hard to imagine this isn't a positive. And it's like in terms of criticizing it, what's the NDP going to say? Like if they know that most people are happy with this deal and want this to happen, um, maybe people in, in Edmonton are ticked off. Some people are like, oh, look, you know, Calgary's getting this money. But to be fair. These projects are huge for downtowns. It was huge for Edmonton. It's huge for Calgary. I don't begrudge them getting a similar kind of deal structured somewhat differently in Calgary, and it's going to help them. So, uh, yeah, it's going to it's going to help um, the UCP in Calgary. And you know, I had thought Smith might have been. My memory had been that she had been against the arena deal. When I looked more closely at it, um, I dug into what she said in the legislature back then. And she actually proposed a lottery back then to yeah. fund both the Edmonton and Calgary deals. So she was, she was, she wanted essentially she pushed for a voluntary tax. She didn't want direct money going into an arena, but she was in favor of this voluntary tax. Now what they'll say now is they're not putting direct money into the arena; they're putting it into the all the other stuff around. Well, the so arena, David, which we've is got kind of clever wordplay. Like I mean, they are stepping up. Yeah, now. DT texts the show and says I have to respectfully disagree with David about the CRL. That's not not the same as money up front. The CRL is not liquid capital that can be used to break ground, uh, buy materials, and pay contractors. So, yeah, I'm not going to get into like it is it's, provincial money. It's 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 used it's used to pay off. I don't know the structuring of the finances yes. of these 
these deals. I can't, I can't address that. So, maybe but it, you did cover this. You covered the, every step of the way. The story of the the arena deal. <laughs> I wrote dozens and dozens and dozens of columns and hundreds, thousands of tweets. I debated people endlessly, and uh, you know, it is you know that the CRL is provincial money, and it was it's been used in Edmonton and Calgary for uh, for other projects, not controversial called called the provincial share of those projects so i think it's fair to say that all right now let's get to the fun stuff so what's happened in this series since game two of our game second period of game game four what happened how do the orders flip? i mean they were down three nothing you had uh you had guys saying that the orders are the second best skilled players in the series I'm like okay uh, weird first period in in la bob in um in game four you know that historic comeback the orders, I just was. I was shocked at the orders' lack of desperation in the first period of that game four, and they got down three nothing. And I think um, so. What we saw was desperation kick in in the second period with the Oilers, and um, to, to amp up their game, especially defensively. And then Jonas Corposalo turned human all of a sudden. He stopped standing on his head. He had been playing like you know first team all star goalie. And then suddenly we get three outside shots that go in. And I'll tell you what, Bob, it, they, they, the carryover into game, uh, this last game, game five, when Evander Kane scored another outside shot from about the same place, I just think that was incredibly, that had to be incredibly deflating for the Kings. I'm not on the bench, I'm not in their heads, but man, to have your goalie, who has been absolutely king of the world, and suddenly he's letting in outside shot after outside shot from the same spot, you know, grade B uh, scoring yep. chance shots. But, you know, to give, when you look at the replays of those goals, um, especially the one last night, I mean, that was right through the guy's legs, right off the post. That was an amazing shot. That was utterly amazing. And that, that was a grade A shot when you add it all up. It's through a screen. It's right off the post. Really hard to save. But from the bench, you know, it's just, oh, another outside shot goes in. It doesn't feel too good, I bet. And I don't think the Kings ever really recovered from that first goal last night. They just didn't have, you know, George Rock was on your show. And he was, it was funny because George was just so sure after the comeback, the, you know, uh, the Kings are done. It's over. This series is over. I was thinking. I know. I, I, I'm not that. that. I was thinking. No way. But it it kind of played out that way, Bob. Yeah, it, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Game. And I don't convinced. think that's the case going into LA for the next game. Me that's going to be a, a bloodbath. But uh, it did play out, George. You know, he maybe he knows something we don't know. <laughs> I hope he does. Well, uh, so here's the deal. Uh, through the first four games of the series, the Oilers were leading the NHL in shots per game. They were out shooting L.A., a, a high-volume shooting team and a good shot suppression team by about 10 shots per game. They had a low 5-on-5 five five shooting percentage through the first four games, and then boom, last night, 13 different players have points, five different guys have goal, uh, goals, completely different series, uh, or a different game last night. So you monitor A-grade scoring opportunities. How consistent has Edmonton's performance been game to game? It's, it's been eerie consistent. It's been like weirdly consistent. I don't think they've been on a, a stretch of games where they've been this consistent. The Edmonton Oilers are consistently getting enough grade A shots a game against LA to score four goals a game. First game, 16. Second game, 16. Next game, 15. Next game, 17. And in game five, 16. So they're averaging 16 a game. Grade A shots go in about 25% of the time. Four goals a game is what they should be getting. And that's what they have is 20 goals. Um, so it's Bob, 
this team can break down LA consistently. They can get their grade eight chances. There has not been a game this this series well it, where LA has been able to shut down the Oilers' attack. And that's not without a lot of power plays. Where the Oilers, if the Oilers, essentially, if the Oilers clamp down on defense, don't get either over-aggressive or careless, and they get decent to okay goaltending, they will. They should be able to beat L.A. in one of the two next games and win this series. Um, and I think they will. Um, I'm, I'm uh, like you, like I, I'm game six in L.A. It's That's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough game. But it, it was a real test for the Oilers, Bob, because this team to win the cup this year, you can't have every game series go seven. And it would be a real test of them. Can they go in and, and, and show that kind of intensity to beat L.A. in such a in a game where between two close teams where they have where L.A. just has more on the line, essentially. But can the Oilers find a way to do it? We'll see if they have that kind of maturity because they they're a team that seems to like to spot the other team through the year, even a couple goals and maybe even a game here or there before they turn it on. Great stuff, David. How do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at the Cult of Hockey, Bob. Super stuff. Much appreciated. Thanks. That is David Staples. It's 149. We'll wrap up the show with this day in Oilers history. Randy, Texas on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 153. Bob, how impressed were you with the Kings' performance on replicating the Swiss national team with their dedication to defending the three-goal deficit with three minutes left to play last night? Yeah, they were in a 1-3-1. I think they were just trying to stick to their system and maybe deal with the fact that Edmonton seemed to be able to penetrate it as the series has gone on. To the stay in order's history for New West Travel, serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com. Here's Brendan Escott. Uh, 1986, Jamie McCown has a goal and an assist. The Flames knocking off the Oilers 4-1 to at Northlands. They go up 3-2 in the Smythe Division Final. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's eighth of the playoffs was the lone Oilers goal on a night that Mike Vernon outdueled Grant Fuhr between the pipes. Jamie McCown's a funny man. Uh, I know at the Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament that we're going to do this summer down in Red Deer, uh, Terry Lowen and Al Sim and the folks down there for the uh, Child Advocacy Center there, um, he, I've often been the brunt of Jamie's jokes. And you know what? Sometimes you got to laugh at yourself. He's a good, good guy. Didn't like him much when he played with the Flames. He was a hard-nosed two-way defenseman. He and Mark Messier had some uh, nasty battles over the years. Reed Wilkins has inside Sports Night. What's he got going on? You'll hear from uh, for- former NHL goaltender Marty Biron, as well as uh, Calgary Flames broadcast host down on Sportsnet 960, Pat Steinberg. It's one of his favorites, Pat Steinberg, coming up tonight. Uh, tomorrow, uh, for GCL Diesel, Louis DeBrasque, and for Legacy Heating and Cooling, John Shannon, they'll be amongst our guests. Coming up next, it'll be a global news weather traffic update with Nicole Gruber. Then it's Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, followed by Chelsea on Chad with Chelsea Bird from 3 to 6. Back at you tomorrow at noon. Thanks for listening, everybody.